New Photic Realm announcement. Uh, submission windows for upcoming issues. Issue 10, the theme is justice. That's hard-boiled fiction with a supernatural twist. The deadline for that will be April 1st, 2020. Issue 11, the theme is kaiju. Giant monsters terrorizing civilization. Deadline will be October 1st, 2020 for those stories. Issue 12, the theme is lycanthropy, which is, of course, self-explanatory. Um, it can be any type of animorph with a bloody twist. Uh, so I guess that's werewolves and Jesus, giant, I don't know. What do people turn into? Seals? I've just got a little seal on my desk, so I thought of that. I don't know. You have to be more imaginative than I just was. Uh, but the deadline for lycanthropy, January 1st, 2021. Good luck to everyone submitting. I wrote this thing. I hope you like it. Let's talk about it, yeah. Let's lose track. Losing the plot podcast. Losing the plot podcast. Losing the plot podcast. Talking to Leo My guest this episode is Sam Crichton. He's an actor in the Stavanger Filmmakers Club. Um, acting for me, it's been recent to consider it as uh, a way of being creative. And uh, so I wanted to know more about it. And I thought it would be interesting to my audience as well. So I hope you enjoy. If you are a reader, writer, editor, listener, any kind of creative, uh, if you want to get in touch and tell me anything at all, you can always do so using Losing the plot podcast at gmail.com and I look forward to hearing from you. Um, but that's all for me for the moment. So here is my chat with Sam. Uh, when did you start acting? Uh, I started acting in Houston when I lived in Houston, Texas in like 2017. And it was literally just on the whim of one of my friends who told me, why don't you just try and rehearse? Actually, I'd rehearsed the year before. Not rehearsed i'd uh, gone to the auditions mm -hmm. uh, and i didn't get in because i was on the football team or something so they couldn't i couldn't guarantee that i was going to the rehearsals and then the year after i went to auditions again and um then i got in and i got a role and i loved it and i haven't stopped mm. yeah. um and like these acting workshops that you've been to, were they at school or? So act in terms of acting workshops, I haven't, I didn't do any in Houston. So most of like where I really, really got into acting and sort of fell in love with it was uh, in Cheltenham at, at boarding school. Mm -hmm. uh, these, uh, these amazing teachers and everything was just really chill. And uh, it was sort of my, yeah, the one subject where I really relaxed and had fun out of all my other A-levels. Uh, and there, like, we would go to trips to Stratford-upon-Avon because that was really close. Not Stratford-upon-Avon, just Stratford. Or is it Stratford-upon-Avon? I can't remember. But wherever Shakespeare... I think it's the same. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is. 
and we would go there to the uh, the Swan Theatre um, and go and see plays at the Royal Shakespeare Company, and no, yeah, just plays, and that was just amazing because I'd never really seen proper plays before, so mm-hmm. it's amazing seeing actors at the RSC just half an hour drive 40 minutes drive from Cheltenham and then there we'd also do workshops in uh, Stratford and that's where the workshop started as well and then we also had a couple of workshops at school and in lesson because I took theatre studies so it was it was all there. Did you see did you see anything at the Globe? Is that RSC is there? No I've never been to the Globe. I've never been I need to go and I need to go to the National Theatre as well I've been there for like a round tour mm-hmm. um, and it's the the Lawrence I think Lawrence Olivier is the one who just who helped set it up and do make the theatre and everything and that was amazing uh, and we, we actually we saw a live screening from uh, that came to Cheltenham of uh, George III and that just looked amazing at the National Theatre um, so that sort of really motivated me to think of going. Now, I might have gone this summer, but now that's a bit... A bit <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's going to happen with the Fringe? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. No. I really hope it's going on. But then there's another complication is if I get into my Dutch university, it starts on the 1st of September and the Fringe ends on the 31st. So that would be quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> You're just uh, not there for the first month yeah, of uni. Exactly. <laughs> but it might not even be on. The first month of uni might just be off. But yeah, with the fringe, we don't know yet. Hopefully, that'll keep going. Uh, so yeah, but I'm really looking forward to that. I don't know what we're going to do yet. We haven't been given any scripts or anything. And the lady who runs it is... Uh, still thinking about things and organizing stuff and getting the cast together but i'm definitely going to go if it's on so that'll be fun mm. yeah. um oh by the way uh i i edit this later so we can ramble about anything it's not like okay. live or anything yeah because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I always have to i always ask a question and then somebody's like i don't know about that and i'm like all right cool next question so yeah no, it's, then, it's... We... go for it yeah go on go on go on no, like, I, people are always just like, wow, you're such, like, a natural, like, conversationalist. And they're like, yeah, because I get to cut all the awkward shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's perfect. Mm. No, actually, yesterday when we were talking about um, all that stuff for the filming, doing the Skype uh, film for the filmmaking group, that mm. was so interesting. That was so cool. Wasn't it? So, yeah. Uh, I think so, uh, at some stage, some people, it was like me, you, and uh, the French lad. Yeah, uh, Raphael. Who were like yeah. going really deep, and then the other people were like, okay. <laughs> it was quite funny. Yeah. Uh, Especially because it was like his first time as well, and he was just like, right, we're going to do this, 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 and you're like, all right, nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's cool, though. It just shows you, like, how many people have, like, their own film ideas in their head that they would like to do if you just said, I give you permission to do it. And then also, why are they waiting for, like, some random guy to say, to give them permission to do this thing they want to do, you know? 
So, yeah, um, it's an interesting one. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe creativity is frowned upon. No, it's not really. It's um, people are just like, oh, I don't have the time for it. That's mm. always the, it's the same answer. Same with me, though. I, and especially with technology. Mm. I mean, I used to do, I used to make everything with my hands. I would like, I do. I did Airfix for a very long time. Do you know what Airfix is? It's like the model airplanes where you have to like put it together and glue it together and then paint it all and like make it look realistic. So, so you had like dam buster bombers and Spitfires and all that kind of thing I used to make. And I used to like do lots of arts and crafts or just make lots of random things, just work in my hands rather than what I do now, which is basically, I mean, gaming isn't that bad, but mm. just on my phone all the time or just doing stuff that means I'm not doing being creative. And then, it, and then it's the same with being, they say like being bored, people aren't bored enough today. Everyone's mm. always got to do, which is like the enemy of creativity. And that's really sad. It's like why we don't get any of these, um, Oh, I don't know. It depends. But, what we perceive as creative geniuses like Mozart or anything, or I don't know, people who, even Prince, we don't really have someone like Prince who could done, who can now, how many, I don't know how many instruments he could play, but he was incredible. Mm. And just, um, yeah, I find it sad that technology for everything that it does that's good, it's also takes away from creativity. Yeah. I think yeah, I think that's a very good point, and also the idea that like, unless you're going to, I think it's a very common uh, belief that we see even in the club is like, unless you're going to be the very top, don't bother. It's like, all right, that's like one percent or less of people are exactly, and it it's it needs to be like maybe it can be it can be a joke. It can be like yeah, like we joke about it sometimes. Yeah, the aim is. Uh getting oscars and shit like that but if mm. it keeps going you never know like it might not be a joke in the end of it and it's mm. like a, it's like fake it till you make it kind of thing yeah but also like how, how do you think you're going to go over there it's like some people will tell me i'm like oh it sounds like you're really interested in writing why don't you start writing and they're like oh i did i wasn't any good at it and i was like all right did you ever try to play anything on the piano were you any good at that <laughs> no because you have to do it more than one day you don't yeah. sit down and like put your fingers on it and go, well, <laughs> I'm not a born pianist. You're like, nobody is. Like, yeah. And that's I what I think uh, that's another thing with like technology today. Instant gratification is such a big thing. Every People live off instant gratification, likes, comments, tweets, retweets, or views, everything like that. Mm -hmm. I try to stay away from it because I don't want to be like I post once in a while, yeah, and it's nice to get likes, I agree. But I try yeah. not to and try not to put anything online because otherwise, you know, you get addicted to trying to get likes and things like that. Yeah. No, I've been, I'm like, I'm, sorry, I'm like impressed by your social media composure and stuff because sometimes I send you a message and then I'm like, why hasn't he got it yet? And then it's like, because I've been there like five times a day just pressing refresh and you've been like doing something important. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously not seen it yet. Yeah, no, and like oh, half yeah. the time it's not on my phone. 
or I'm playing computer games on some other device. <laughs> <laughs> it's not necessarily productive. No, exactly. Not definitely yeah. not productive half the time. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, I think it's, and it's harder for people. I think kids as well to sort mm. of realize. Oh, I sound so cliche, but the it's like the harder you work at at something yeah no it's with instant gratification it's harder to appreciate that if you really work for something it's much more satisfying at the end of it than like some that any thousand likes it's going to be mm. yeah definitely um yeah i think that sense of like i think it gets easier with time like i think by the time by the time you get to my age like but i think like if you've tried Probably. stuff that yeah if you try i think but well, I, I do think that like by the time you get in your 30s you've tried a bunch of stuff that doesn't work for long enough to just be like i'm not doing that anymore i know it doesn't work but there's yeah. a lot of i think there's a lot of with that instant gratification stuff like go why aren't these likes making me feel good maybe you have to do that for a few years before you go this is just not going to work for me mm. um so I do think that it, you know, there's something compelling about the arts that keeps people doing it, like well into their 80s, still writing books, still like Clint yeah. Eastwood made a film in his like 91 or something. So yeah. I think people do yeah, come mean, around I, to I, it. Yeah. She's obsessed with like these artists who become famous when they're like 78 or something. Mm. You know, they've been going at it their whole lives. And then when they're 78, they suddenly get noticed. Mm. Yeah, that's a long time to wait. I mean, you have like Billie Eilish, who's 16, and she's already superstar, crazy. Yeah. Level. I mean, that respect. That's amazing. She's. Uh, mm -hmm. That's incredible what she's done. But it's also great. She's, when you have all... she's the odd one out. Yeah. 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 But the thing is, like, when when we did your acting workshop, like, it was really fun. Yeah. So success, was... you know, great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love doing that. I was nervous. I was like, wait, what do I do? I almost texted my uh, the director from the last couple of shows I'd done, the lady who was at, at school in Cheltenham. I was like, how, how, what should I do for a workshop again? And then I just, I, I did it online, looked at a few things and refreshed my memory on what I'd done before. And yeah, it's just about getting people comfortable because often it's like, even I've done workshops where I'm like, uh, I don't really want to do that. But when everyone's doing it, it's fine. Mm. Uh, you know, you'll have times when you're running around and you have to pretend to run around like a tree and you have to really think about it. And it's just all these weird things that get you out of your comfort zone. That's what actually brought me to acting because I was, I used to be so like, uh, Ner nervous about everything i'm still a bit nervous but when i go on stage i think that but that's normal but I, i'm like i would get so anxious about doing anything or talking to people or, and shy i used to be so shy um and then you know i saw some of my friends who were quite shy but then when they got on stage this also the girl who got me into acting you know she's quite shy but then when she gets on stage she's completely different and it just looks so freeing. So I was like, yeah, I've got to get a bit of that. And then, <laughs> then I got into it. I got this really small, I got a, not a small role, 
it was like a role. I was part of the ensemble, and I had a role as uh, Monsieur Dark in Beauty and the Beast, the musical. Uh, and he had a song. He had a funny, funny song. Uh, and I remember just being so into it. It was just honestly one of the best experiences ever. That's what really got me into it. That first musical, Beauty and the Beast. And you know, I like I got I got not hate from my mates, but you know, you get you get that teasing like, oh, he's in a musical. Look at him. Uh, and uh, but you know, it was so worth it. So worth it. Mm. Um, as part of something I was writing recently, I started uh, researching this woman, Marina Abramovich. Do you know her? She's a performance artist. No, I haven't heard of her. Well, she like she does these crazy things. Um, the one, the one that I remember her talking about. She did this performance where she stuck like her hand on the floor and it was doing the knife game where you go like that between your fingers. Yeah. And she just did that and she'd do it with, she had like 10 or 15 different knives and she'd do it until she stabbed her hand and then she'd just grab a different knife and she went through all of them. And she said like, she does worse stuff than that as well. It's absolutely wild. Um, yeah, she's in her 70s now. And so she'd written like her memoir about it. Um, and she said like, so she, it was this performance she was doing with a knife and she was like right up until, I think she was due to start at say two in the afternoon or something. She was like 158, 159. She was terrified, like can't do it. Like, I don't want to do this. This is awful. Why am I here? And then two yeah. o'clock hits and she's like, right, I'm doing it. And then she's just in a different headspace. Um, and that's a woman who's like dedicated her life to doing some crazy outrageous shit. And she's still saying yeah. like, that she gets nervous before doing it. Um, yeah. I think nerves are good as well because it gets your blood pumping before you go on stage. Hmm. Uh, like um, one of the lads who's a really, really good actor at my school that I went to in Cheltenham, he's called Jack, and he would uh, do push-ups before he went on, like just to get him, you know, get in the zone. Uh, yeah, that was impressive. And like I haven't ever really had a role yet where i've had to learn like a huge amount of lines that's still a challenge that i need to overcome like mm. this guy these, these guys at, at this school i went to had been acting for a while you know they're, they're almost in every scene mm. um that is tough i remember we did we, when we did 1984 this there's this other lad and he had to do a torture scene and the torture scene was about 30 minutes or something ridiculous like that, and he kept, he held the performance so well. And this is when we, we took it to Edinburgh as well. And uh, he was so tired in the evening, he was going to bed at like seven, getting up at, I don't know, eight or something. Uh, but yeah, it takes it out of you. Acting does, it really takes it out of you. Hmm. Because it is almost... It's difficult, you have to try and... I remember we did um, sort of the difference between real emotion and then emotion when you're on stage. And like you have Stanislavski, one of his technique, techniques was emotion memory where you literally try and reenact some difficult event in your life. either Or, or it could be amazing, like, but just like a heightened emotion. Mm. Uh, and usually it's like a sad or bad memory. And you reenact it, but that can be quite dangerous because you can get really into it. Um, and then there's like a fine line between that and and acting. And I was I was watching this film 
like a, a couple of weeks ago where this guy was trying to explain the thing his pet peeve with acting and like this thing that he always sees is when someone walks into a room and they have to try and be surprised of this person it's like uh, I don't know he walks in he's like oh I didn't expect to see you here today mm. it's, it's difficult to make that realistic it's much more realistic if you go I didn't expect you to see here today. Didn't, didn't expect to see you here today or mm. just walk in and look, look at him for a second and it's oh it's you like he's surprised but then you also have to actually be surprised like dim it down but also he was saying like be surprised like have the emotion of surprise mm -hmm. as you walk into the room don't just try and act try and uh look surprised or sound surprised actually be surprised and he said that that's that's acting hmm so yeah yeah because i think that um people think that it would have to look like theatrical or heightened like you say but i think that if you're just embodying something you don't necessarily need to do much as long as you yeah. trust that it's in your face and you trust that an audience can can see that mm. yeah i think it's difficult i mean it's also difficult when uh like i found out with diff it's quite different filming with bed with being on stage mm -hmm. uh, with filming every little thing you do is picked up on whereas on stage you have to kind of project because you can't really see that your i don't know your left eye is moving or i don't know that your eyes are quickly flitting between two characters it's very difficult for the audience in the back row to see that so, mm. yeah, you have to overplay a bit when you're on stage yeah, I still don't know that much. I'm learning all the time, so it's, and that's what I love about it. It's like, uh, it's fun and learning at the same time. I mean, yeah. no one ever stops learning with most things anyway. But it's, it's like, I'm still. I've done other things longer than I've done acting, so it's like nice to. There's a lot of basics that I still need to learn. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, like you say, like you're never done learning. You just kind of show up and start. But I was talking even last week to a writer as well who was like, "Oh, I don't think it's ever gonna, I don't think, I don't think it's ever gonna work out for me. Like I've written this many words and like I'm not getting published here, there, and everywhere yet." And I was like, "Well, okay, if you want, if you want a better chance of getting published in cool places, uh, write today and study some stories today." And then do the same thing tomorrow. Like you would be doing that whether or not you got top publications or not. So I don't really see why people should be so concerned with that anyway. You know, or like I respect people who've just started being creative as much as people who've been doing it for 10 years. They've just like because they, they still do the same thing. Like they wake up, it's tough, they want to play video games instead of being creative, then they are creative and then and then it's it's satisfying and then they're better at it than they were yesterday, you know? It's just it's I, I've come around to thinking that the process is really far more important and, and, and enjoying the process is the most important thing. Otherwise, do something else, you know? Um, yeah, but exactly. I get the feeling that um, I get the feeling that you already had that impression, like, because I think we talked about it and you said you have a distrust of people who talk about there being like rules and solutions. Yeah. <laughs> I find that. I, I do too, yeah. 
Like, yeah, there's yeah, there's a lot of people who don't like it when there isn't like a re- like a, a solid, hundred percent conclusive answer. And I get that. I get that when you're sort of, um, when it's like you don't want any of those fluffy answers. Mm. Or at least that's what I've heard from other people. They're like, oh, I don't want, I don't. That's why I don't like English because there's like ten different answers that can be right. But that, I think that's what's, and that's the opposite for me. When you know something, why are you bothering to work it out in the first place? Mm. And great, we need engineers and mathematicians, but I'm. That's not really me. And I took maths at A level, and that was, that was rough. And <laughs> physics, and physics, to be fair, was quite tough. Uh, and I know I could have done better, and that's sort of because I didn't really put the effort I should have put into it because I wasn't enjoying it as much as like theatre studies, Dutch, and um, design technology. So. And that's where I got the best grades. Those other three subjects that I enjoyed the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, and another thing with the it's it's not. I don't know if it's a distrust. It's just I used to have like conversations with some of my mates who took maths, and it's like maths is makes you know maths will make you much more successful than anything else. Mm. And I. I disagree and I kind of see what they're getting at. I, I think maths is it help it can help you with lots of things. Like thinking through problems, it can help. And I'm glad I did maths so it helps me think things through sometimes, I guess. Uh but then there's so much pointless stuff that you learn, so much abstract maths that just like you have abstract art, which you can interpret, and then you have abstract maths, which just has a, a number at the end that doesn't mean anything. Hmm. Or is it abstract maths? Or it's just just numbers. It's just numbers. That's all it is. It's so, so demoralizing. <laughs> so well, tough. I find that interesting that people are saying like maths will make you successful it's like well define success because if you're going to yeah. the whole point of like it's monetary being, success that's what they're talking about that can be the biggest failure of all you never know exactly uh, yeah and so many people with acting for example have said uh even some teachers who taught, taught acting who said don't go into acting because you end up living in a caravan somewhere with no money as an actor and um you know it's like you have to think through would you rather be an actor and love what you're doing but live in a caravan than have all the money in the world live in like a mansion but hate your job Mm. that's like five percent of the time that you're having fun and then 95 percent of the time that you're not having fun but i think it also depends where you're living like i was listening to this interview with a woman who is like an actress, director, writer now, 
but she took yeah. a job with Goldman Sachs, like the investment bank. So she was yeah. like super rich, but doing this demoralizing number work, but she had to do it like 16 hours a day and like during the weekend and be available for clients in order to make all this money. And so then it like made her really sad. So she went to the doctor and the doctor prescribed her antidepressants. And she was like, I don't want to take these. I just don't want to do this at all. And then she was like, I want to, she had a friend who was a director and she went and acted with him and was like, right, I'm quitting and I'm going to do acting. Mm. Because she lives in like, because she lives in America and because she had one of those jobs that you have to do for 16 hours a day, but it's not, it doesn't even have to be an all or nothing choice. Yeah. It's not, would you rather this or that? I mean, like with the thing that we're doing, we get plenty of practice, you know, and I also do a full-time job. So um, it's not necessarily always like a, this or that choice mm, you can exactly. still do many things it's about what you enjoy doing and that's the thing also another dilemma i have is i haven't done acting I've, the only experience i've had of acting as sort of prof, semi-professional is the edinburgh fringe and that's still it like i mean it's, I, I thought it was amazing while i was doing it but i've never really done it as a job or as a livelihood and if it stops becoming a hobby or like a passion and then it becomes like the be all and end all and there's you know at the at the moment and at school like acting was my break not break but relax mm -hmm. and something that i really enjoyed and did to not wind down but i just love being like intensely into it because it just i don't know it, i guess it de-stressed me as well mm -hmm. And I love doing it. So it's also the, like, I have a bit of the thinking of if I make the decision to go try and go professional, does it then become less enjoyable? I don't think it will, but it's like, we'll see when it comes there. And that's why I'm taking a degree first. I think that's a great way to do it. But like, um, I've talked to so many creative people like on my podcast I've talked to so many writers and mm. I've read all the books and everything and like I hear things from all, all the time I hear them tell me that like they were born to do it they always knew they were going to do it they put this many hours in every day like they read this many books like they you know um they're they're competitive they're ambitious whatever these things don't tell me how good a writer they are or how successful they are whether or not they feel like they were born to do it or not whether or not they're putting lots of time in or not doesn't necessarily tell me that they're any good um, and I think that the people who put in the time and the people who feel like they were born to do it like to perpetuate the myth that you have to feel that way if you're going to do it because they want to crowd people out. They, they want to take ownership of it for themselves. And I think that's, I think it's a mistake yeah. and I don't see that it reflects the quality of the work that they do. Yeah. It's like, you know, the stereotype that if you're an actor, you've usually grown up poor and then had to work your work your way up, or you've grown up in a theatre, or mm. that kind of. And it is, it is true. Much more actors are like that. Like that is true. But there are also actors who were born privileged, I guess, as I have. I am. I'm definitely. I know that I'm really, really lucky as the way that I've grown up and like. Yeah, silver spoon fed. That is literally how it's been for me. Um, and you know, people like 
and that's another thing when like writing songs as well or like thinking of songs or thinking of things to write about people like the story of struggle or uh, like the story of coming from nothing and like building your way up and same with actors I think hmm. it's sort of hard to think of like it uh, with like with songs for example is I find it difficult to think of a narrative because it's like who wants to hear about this kid who's like grown up easy around the world and it's also like uh, a life that not many people can relate to because I've lived in like six different countries before my 18th birthday mm-hmm. so it's like it's difficult to think of what you know what people would like but then it's not I guess that's not important it's just about making what I like and acting is what I like doing and singing it's, you know writing whatever I want to write is what I like doing so well it's interesting that you say that because I see you as somebody who can relate to like almost anyone as well like you instantly strike up a conversation with anyone who comes to our club whether it be like Patrick who's in his 60s or I don't know Natasha yeah. who's always lived here in Stavanger or whatever mm. You know, you're, yeah, you're able to relate easy. to them all. Yeah, I definitely find it easy to talk to people like face to face because there's no the, like I the best moment when I meet someone you like in any case is like before I no it's like as soon as I start talking to them and they start talking back like that's the most interesting part I find like when you're starting a conversation with someone or when you've just got to know someone it's like oh wow this person's actually talking back to me sometimes you have people like I try and have a chat and for some reason they don't want to have a chat back and that's fine but it's really nice when you're talking to someone and they're talking back in the same sort of maybe I, I'm very open so it's quite easy I think to talk to me as well and sometimes sometimes it can be it can go like people are taken aback by how open I am but then then it's it also works the other way around where people are like oh wow he's he's it's not easy to talk to him mm-hmm. and I think it's so interesting to hear what people have to say about lots of things and have their opinions like I think recently when um yeah, I'd help these artists. I was volunteering to help these artists with this uh, art project at the gallery that I work at. And then at the end of the gallery opening, we all went for a drink. And there was this guy, one of the sponsors for the art project, he was there. And he's he was like very, I don't know, he, he had some strong opinions. But, you know, he, he, he was still, and, he, you know, he thought he was right about everything that he said. Or not thought he was right. He sounded very convincing, but you know, and sometimes it's quite difficult to those to listen to those people, and some people just can't. Like I remember, like three three of the adults were standing up, and then no, I can't deal with this. <laughs> but I find it really interesting to listen to people who have these really strong, and some people might say weird opinions. So trying to understand them, that's what I find interesting. Hmm. The, like the amount of the amount of men in particular who have confidently told me something that's completely inaccurate, and like I've mm. kind of I've kind of known that it's inaccurate, but then they're so confident that they convince me. You're like, oh, I must yeah. be wrong. I go home and Google it, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the fuck? Like, why are you so confident? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's what is uh, there's a quote about it, isn't there? It's like you have those people who are you have like the two opposites. You have the people who are so confident but don't know what they're talking about, and then you have the people who are so insecure but actually do know what they're talking about. Mm. Excuse me. And you really have people who are in the middle. Yeah, yeah. But again, I mean, confidence is not like, it's not an indicator that somebody knows no. more than somebody else. I, They're just, I they mean, just happen I have to be confident. To say, I have been guilty of doing it before, like in an argument, you know, like when I know that I sound more convincing than the other person, sometimes I have been guilty of just... <laughs> popping that fact in there that's complete bollocks <laughs> getting getting the point across yeah but it is annoying it's very yeah. annoying you can get caught in the but moment that, or something yeah Sorry. that's the other thing with like uh, fake the fake news thing that Trump started or not maybe not started but took advantage of it's so strange. Mm. And it's difficult to know what to trust nowadays. So you have to read five different newspapers before you actually kind of have an idea of what the truth is, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's messed up. There was this, I remember going back to like creativity and technology. There was this art exhibition at World Lincoln Center, which is where I work, and this guy it was called In Between Fragments, and he'd, it was really, really cool. He'd taken these, like, samples of five different musicians playing their instrument. I think it was oboe, flute, viola, I think, or violin, can't remember, um, piano, and, oh, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, bass. And he... He taught them. He told them all. He gave them all instructions on how they should play a certain set of notes or a certain key. Or, but he didn't tell them what order to play them in. And then he got all the samples, and he taught uh, he taught a computer, so artificial intelligence, how to make a note that sounded good from these samples that he'd taken. So during the exhibition the computer was composing these notes as the exhibition went on. So every note that you heard every, I don't know, 15 seconds was a new note composed by the computer, technically. And he'd also, he'd also done some effects that made it look really cool. It was amazing to see, like... Uh, it was amazing to talk to him afterwards as well because he said, you know, it's really, it's really easy now to... Uh, go online and buy uh, non non copyright, you know, free free music without a copyright on it that's been composed by a computer, or that you can literally just press a button and it generates it for you. Hmm. Uh, and it's like the argument of how do we make sure that we're still being creative without losing creativity and just letting the computer take it over oh yeah that was just crazy 
I think I think he's got it online. You should definitely check it out. Yeah, sure. That's um, really cool. yeah. Well, there's all kinds of things like poetry created by robots and stuff, but yeah. um, or artificial intelligence. But I think that uh, they say that like the more the workforce becomes becomes automated and so on, then the more that creative jobs will be, you yeah. know, in demand for humans because it's something that only we can really do. I yeah. kind of believe that. Entertainment, entertainment business will always be there. Mm. I think I, I might be sort of, I could be the last generation of where that being in the entertainment business isn't like a massive advantage. Like it could be where, like acting is already insanely competitive. Imagine what it's like when no one can get a job anymore doing stuff that computers will be doing and machines. Everyone mm. will be trying to get into the entertainment business. So I'm getting in there I on wonder. time. <laughs> but I think that then, I don't know, I mean, there will be all kinds of new jobs created in the future, but nobody really knows what they are also. And you won't, people won't have to do the kind of rote jobs that machines can do, and maybe it will be a good thing. I really don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, it's but, interesting when you, yeah. when you um, I'm quite a big fan of Elon Musk, even if, you know, he's quite controversial. I think he's got, I think he's sort of thinking in the right way. Um, and especially his, uh, I can't remember what the company's called. It's, it's his AI company where they, it's, making sure that AI is used safely and that it doesn't become like fast, much faster than we are so that we can still use it and like deal with it. Cause I feel like there's so much, there's so many problems nowadays to do with the fact that how fast technology is moving and how fast everything for us is evolving because we're mm. still animals right we're, we're not any different from like other animals that live around the world and we don't evolve any quicker than them mm. yeah um, and so the, and now we're sort of trying to move at the same speed as computers and like data that's i don't know just insane it's insane how fast everything is changing and now you have a and because of that you know it's it's already shown that much much more people are getting uh, mental health issues because of it and imagine yeah. when everything gets quicker like computer chips are already fast but you know there's stuff coming out new new methods of printing computer chips that's going to make everything another 10 times fast and that you know how are we how are we going to deal with it that could be be interesting to see and i think like mental Ill illness will just keep going up for a while because hmm. of it i don't know it's just a thing that i thought about but that i think it's and like it's quite arrogant at how fast we're going like it's almost too fast and it's it's shown that we're we're also arrogant in the way that we look at the earth and use it and like exploit it. I mean, this coronavirus has come back and like sort of put us back in our place, like showing us now nah, we're not these big people who, who are better than everything else on the earth. We're not better than the mm. next. Animal. 
essentially. We're yeah. not. We just think we are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair. I, though, I mean, I, I see all kinds of opinions on that, but I'm on the side of humans. Like, I want humans to win. I think we're all right. As a human, I feel like I want to represent us, and I think we're doing. I, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm on the side of humanity, despite having met a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. Yeah, obviously, obviously, I have to be on the side of the humans. It's not uh, obvious, though. I mean, some people aren't, but I feel it's important. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, but you have to be because you have to hope that we can get better and become like I don't know as good as the native Indians were to the natural world, maybe. That yeah, would be amazing. I think that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we're still we still have a lot to learn. Like there's stuff we didn't know until recently, and then the bigger these systems are, the slower they move, and mm. uh, you know. This stuff takes time, and no, we don't have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers, but that's okay, because we're always coming up with new answers. So it's kind of what we do. So it's fine that we don't know the answer. And I think that, like in a very small way, it's true of what we even do in the club. Like yesterday, like you say, the chat we had was fascinating. I had no idea it was going to be that. But like the creative process is showing up and just like saying stuff. But you don't know what you're going to say. You don't know what's going to come out of it. Um, uh, like this year, I'm finishing. A story i'm fin like i just finished a story and then i'm finishing another one recently neither of them i knew i was going to write until like a few weeks ago and then i just became so interested in them that i spent all my time on them and you know that gives me hope that those kind of answers are in people's heads all the time all over the place even if they don't know that they have those answers yet so mm -hmm. creativity the creative process gives me hope yeah 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 obviously there's there's hope it's just, uh, yeah, I think everything everything will be fine. I just think it's sort of, a lot of people don't even think about the fact that it might not be fine, what people are doing. And I think that's, that's another thing. A lot of people don't want to think creatively. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's backtrack a bit, backtrack a bit. Maybe not, don't want to think creatively. It's, you know, it's bliss and it's it's very relaxing not to know what's going on in the world around you, kind of. Mm. Like, not to really look at the bad news and see what's going on, just to be focused on, like, what's going on in your sort of small personal life and go out with your friends, do your job, have a family, do all these things and just not worry about the other stuff. Mm. And, like, I envy those people because... They're just relaxed. <laughs> they don't, you know. There's there's so many problems in the world that they they're not thinking about. But I I, I think all those things are very difficult to do well. I think if you take on all those roles, you're gonna majorly fuck some of them up in your life, like in ways what that. You, what you mean? Like if you're, well, I heard this really interesting quote. So I showed a clip of a film by Joe Swanberg, the one with uh, Greta Gerwig in it. Hannah takes the stairs. Um, I was listening to interviews with him and they asked him, he does like all these films about just people who don't know what they're doing with their lives. And somebody asked him, like, there's so many superhero films. Would you do a superhero film? And he said, well, my, my idea of a superhero is like, uh, 
just like somebody who wants to be a really good friend because he says like you'll never achieve being a good friend you just have to wake up and do it every day and some days you're gonna you're gonna completely mess it up and a superhero to me this guy said was somebody who wakes up the next day and goes right i'm gonna try it again you know yeah. i think that just trying to get through any kind of average human life can be insanely tough and and i think that if you are like a good partner good brother good at your job you're pleasing like more people than you are and you get a free pass from me personally that's the, that's how i've come to feel over the years and i think that like this this coronavirus thing is very interesting because like there's so much pressure through social media and through the news and everything that, that everyone needs to be part of every narrative when in fact there's so many different things that people are specialized at and good at that they should be focusing on and so when it comes to this coronavirus thing like it's being solved by people who work in the healthcare and who people are developing vaccines and the message to most people is stay out the way while the people who know what they're doing do their job and i think that in most global issues that's the thing i, I don't think i think that um you know i've always felt very odd about how people are guilted into doing things by horrible news events and i mm. understand that that works and i understand why people feel they need to do it but I'm I'm against it <laughs> personally. I think we we don't know what people are going through, and I think that getting through an average life is 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 a Herculean task in most instances. You know, whether yeah. you've had a lovely upbringing or not. In my yeah, opinion, no, it is fair. I yeah. Because yeah, it's like you're you're like you're young and you're going to university. Because I remember this. I got all these same messages of just like you're the future. You're gonna like get into the world and change things. And like you are, but like the the more you feel empowered by that message, the more guilty you feel by stuff you're not doing. You know, and I don't know. It's it's just a conflict that we all live with, isn't it? I don't know the answer either. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult. You can't solve everything by yourself. But I do think <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe like just living an average life is is fine not being bothered about everything else. When it comes to like our club and the people we've met through, or the people that I meet through work, especially like men around my age can be very competitive with one another. And they're just like, where did you go to university? And like, well, like, <laughs> but the more somebody tells me that they're succeeding, the more I'm like, great. Like if somebody tells me like, oh, I went to this university and like, I've got this job and they're obviously very proud of it. I'm like, fantastic for you. I'm so glad that you're succeeding at that. You know, mm. I'm not, I'm not against other people succeeding. And I think that, um, you know, the more you see that people, uh, that there are other hardworking and intelligent people in the world, the more relieved you can be. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's, I don't think it's naive or selfish to take the weight off yourself and be like, you know what, a lot of stuff will get solved by other people I haven't even met. You know, yeah. of course it will. There's so many people on the planet. You know, and it doesn't take away from your own accomplishments either. No, it's a very good point. I think, for me, with the 
fine. Like, I agree. I, I don't think I was necessarily trying to point out that going through a, li- a life like just average is a problem. Like, that's fine. But mm. I think for me, it's difficult having lived in so many different places. When I, when I went to the UK, because I lived in so many different places, I kind of... sounds kind of arrogant to say that I kind of know what's a bit better than what's going on because I've lived there, but it's kind of true. Like I've lived in these places. Like I lived in Malaysia. I lived in Houston, Texas, which is its own country. That's not America. It's its own country. But then Holland, UK, Norway. Um, and like, I find it difficult when I, was like talking to people at my school in the UK who just lived there their whole life. And they sort of like it, and I was envious of them as well because they, they've lived in their whole life. They've known people their whole life. They've mates. They've had mates for 15 mm. years, the same mates. I don't know how that is. Um, but also they're sort of living in a world a bit like this in some cases. Oh, in all, like, obviously I went to a quite, like a very nice boarding school and these kids are very well educated and everything but still there's like not a world view per se and I find that quite difficult sometimes like when I'm talking to those to people it's like they they say things and it's sort of like really okay fine you know but it's it's like it's like what you were saying before with the people being really confident about what they're saying about other places, maybe. Like someone mm. might say something about Asia, for example, or I've been around and say something and, like, it's completely inaccurate. And that kind of, that kind of thing annoys me. Hmm. But, like, yeah. do you know the phrase sort of, like, tunnel vision? No, I, I mean, I know exactly what you're t- blinkers are. T- yeah, exactly. Yeah, blinkers. But that's no, I know exactly what you're like that's, about, yeah. it's, And it's really unfair to say because I, I've had this lucky experience of living in six different countries and not many people get the chance to do that. Mm. So it's like an internal dilemma that I have. I, I just read a quote today, actually. I'm reading this collection of reta- letters written between two different authors that I like. One woman said, like, you're either, like looking down from Everest and you're freezing and alone or you're like in the field and it's warm but you never go further than the sheep (laughs) I think she says that you just accept that we are all a little bit isolated like that and so I I definitely feel like um, I'm definitely on the top of Everest freezing (laughs) looking down at people yeah smoking Uh, a little cigar I feel like that yeah Smoking a little something, <laughs> depending <laughs> on what. <laughs> but through, like through, acting, you found your people, right? Yeah, definitely. There, because I feel like what we just said is generally, obviously, it's a generalization. I'm very good at generalizations, <laughs> but generally, actors just can talk and talk and talk and never stop talking. And I mean, it's also creative, just creative types. But because I love acting, you know, being in a cast as well is, some, is like one of the most unique experiences and it's just one of the best things. Um, 
because you're all working towards the same goal like, together and you be, I don't know it's like you're you're almost forced to become friends but you don't have to be you like actors generally sometimes you'll have someone who's who you don't get along with but generally I've just got along with people and that's what's so nice mm-hmm. and when it comes to actors do you tend to like people who do like or you admire people who do extreme things to get into roles, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, one of my favorite actors is Tom Hardy, and he does that all the time. Like, with the way that he prepares for roles, he, I mean, insane amounts of work and graft. Uh, my camera, uh, yeah, I'm losing charge. Just turn the brightness down. But, uh, yeah, some people go through insane lengths to get what they want. Um, Yeah, I think like Tom Hardy in his preparation for the role of Bane, a lot of people say that's where he became a good actor. I think Richard also mentioned, do you remember, he he said that that's where he sort of learned to act with his eyes because he was wearing a mask through the whole performance. Mm. And he was to convey emotion literally just through his eyes and that's where he learned a lot of skill or gained a lot of skill through that movie mm. uh, and the preparation he did for his movie where he was an MMA boxer I forget the name of the film but he put on insane amounts of weight and then you have someone like Christian Bale I think who was almost anorexic for one of his roles um, yeah that's amazing I do think that kind of method acting does go a bit too far, though. In like mm. with the because Christian Bale, I think, is also played an obese character, and that can't be healthy. Like that's just a bit far. Hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think if I I don't know who the actors that I admire is. Good question. I mean David Tennant I really really like David Tennant so he went he was staged and then he's done series like Doctor Who Uh, he's done quite a few series I don't know I can't remember what films he's been in good question no I I know I mean I know he was in Doctor Who for a long time Good Omens that was really good uh, one of the Harry Potter, or a few of them. Oh, was he? I think every British actor ever was in those yeah, films. In <laughs> so, doesn't really count. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love the books. Uh, we used to listen to Harry Potter. We listened to Harry Potter at first, the whole series in English in the car, because in Houston it took, like, an hour to drive to school. And then we listened to the whole thing as well in her in Dutch so we used to like listen we chew through audiobooks because there'd be traffic on the way home so it could be like two and a half hours sitting in the car um, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my mom hated that because she was driving so much like props to her she was that was impressive that was that was like annoying having to get up that bit extra early for school in Houston <clears throat> But yeah, we used to listen to so many books in the car. 
it was a great way to pass the time. And then one time, yeah, we had, once we had a car accident because we were <laughs> we were just it wasn't our fault at all. But like I think if we hadn't been listening to the audio book, we might I think my mum would have been able to or whatever it doesn't matter. But we got hit by a bus. <laughs> that was quite an interesting experience. Uh, but yeah, it was their fault. It was quite funny. Where's your favourite place that you've lived? Oh, Malaysia, by far. I mean, I love Holland because it kind of feels like home. But mm -hmm. Malaysia was just, I mean, insane. It's like the best place to grow up. We were literally living on a beach and the beach had a playground on it and a boat club and like lots of really nice food and tennis courts. And it was in a rainforest. It was like, it was like, dream dream mm. place to grow up and so much we had so much freedom as kids like for, I was there I was there for four years so I was like from age of four to eight um and we would just cycle around go to school by ourselves on the bike um it was like a whole community it was just amazing and we had like Chinese New Year and there were so many Dutch people that we had center class celebrations on the beach uh every year which was also my birthday which is like it was amazing and we did like halloween and we did the fun we did this thing called the fun run where we ran around the. it was like a compound in the rainforest basically or like lots of houses spread out in, in this sort of rainforest ish area now and it's actually it's really weird to think because it's now a nature reserve like where i used to live is just forest now it's no house. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, I really want my audience to know why you're so bad at Smash Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm not bad. Leo's just an absolute baller at Smash okay, Brothers. Okay, they should know that as well, sure. <laughs> I believe that, yeah. Yeah, Leo's actually insane at Smash Brothers. On top don't, of all the... challenge, don't challenge <laughs> the Smash Brothers. On top of all the other things I'm annoyingly good at, and also I'm a nice guy, it pisses people off so badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so bad. Especially, yeah, like when we were playing with Juan and you kept just using that one power on him. <laughs> it's so, so annoying. It only made me so... do it more. <laughs> exactly. Every time he told you to stop it, it just would not work. Yeah. I think he even switched into Spanish, he was getting so mad as well. Poder con la puta, poder! That's when you know he's mad. <laughs> totally. I'm looking forward to that again. Hope this. I hope we're not stuck in for too long. Yeah, it's annoying. Cheers for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Um, as always, losingtheplotpodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to tell me anything at all. And uh, until next time, cheers. <laughs>